will justify continue his march to the Triple Crown in the Preakness. We'll look ahead to the Triple Crown's second jewel on this show. Plus, what if cloned racehorses were allowed in competition? What would it mean? We'll chat with prominent horsemen Elliot Walden and Perry Martin on the subject. We'll have all that and more on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gate! They're in the gate! In the gate! They're in the gate! It's a head-bobbing finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us on the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab in the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. We'll look ahead to the Preakness in just a moment. But first, it was Albert Einstein who said, Technological progress is like an axe in the hands of a pathological criminal. Hmm, think about that. Well, the technological progress we're going to discuss here involves cloning. Cloning is like doing a cut and paste of a live animal or plant. As you may know, it has happened with some animals. The first and perhaps most famous is Dolly the sheep, who was the first mammal to be cloned from a single mature adult cell. That was in 1996. In the two decades that followed, scientists have cloned cats, deer, mules, oxen, rabbits, and rats. Barbara Streisand even had her dog cloned. Twice. There's another type of animal that's been cloned successfully. The horse. In fact, cloned horses are even used in competition. In polo, pasofino, and mule racing, which happens primarily in the southwestern U.S., In fact, the world's top-ranked polo player, Adolfo Cambiasso, has famously used cloned polo ponies as part of his team of horses. Most racing governing bodies do not permit cloning of horses for competition, including every thoroughbred jurisdiction in the world. Three years ago, a pair of Texas horse breeders sued the American Quarter Horse Association for the right to race cloned horses. An appeals court ruled in the AQHA's favor. But what if the next ruling, whenever that is, goes in favor of a plaintiff? It's not a subject that many thoroughbred folks are willing to talk about, but we want to get thoughts from both sides of this issue that continues to roil just below the surface of thoroughbred racing. So joining us today are Perry Martin, co-owner of two-time Horse of the Year California Chrome, and on the other side, we have Elliot Walden, CEO of one of the largest breeding and racing operations in the United States, Windstar Farm. We should point out that these conversations happened before the 2018 Kentucky Derby, which Elliot Walden's Windstar Farm won with Justify. Thanks so much for being here. Let's start with Elliot Walden of Windstar Farm. Cloning horses for competition is allowed in polo and some other equine disciplines, as we've mentioned, such as Pasofino and mule racing. Yes, mule racing is a thing. What is your general thought on the idea of cloning in thoroughbred racing? Well, I'm, I'm opposed to it. I think that my personal opinion is that we're, as a society and, and from science, advancements are, are something that has been an incredible blessing to this century. 
there's been a lot of great advancements in science. But I think, like so many things in life, sometimes your strength can become your weakness. And my opinion is I just think that we're almost trying to play God to a certain extent, and, and I think it's it's getting awfully close to that. So I, I prefer uh, thoroughbred racing to be a, a one-on-one exchange, and I prefer it to continue to be a breeding that takes place between one female horse and one cult horse. Could you make the argument that by arranging matings that in some way you are playing God? Well, no, because it's a natural it's a natural formation that's been here for a long time. I mean, that's that's the way God set it up in the beginning. So he he set it up to have a male and a female, and they have a they have an offspring. And it's not just humans; it's every species on Earth. So I think that's a natural thing. That's not that that's a God thing, but it's also a natural thing. Perry Martin, co-owner of two-time Horse of the Year California Chrome, is also with us. What is your personal feeling about whether cloning should be allowed in thoroughbred racing? Well, I've got mixed feelings about it. Of course, one of the things that makes our champions so special is that they're one of a kind and uh, they don't come around very often. And if I'm now a stallion owner, I have to think from the the financial end, you know, if there was 100 California chromes, then (laughs) his value would be a lot less. But there's also the idea of, say, historical racing is, is doing well, very well for the industry right now. And what would it be like if we could have real-time historical racing where you know, we can settle the ar- argument between you know, Man of War running against Secretariat and heck for fun, we'll throw California Chrome in there and see who comes out on top. Wow, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. But you know that those horses have different personalities. They're not exactly carbon copies, right? Oh, I know that, yeah. A lot of it is the environment, how they're brought up. And uh, that's not going to be duplicated. So it's not going to settle any argument still. It's intriguing to think about. Now, in harness racing... Cloning is not allowed, but artificial insemination is. You can take sperm from a stallion and inject it using man-made equipment into a mare to try to get her in foal. In your mind, what are the pros and the cons of allowing that? Well, I have some friends in the standard bread business, and, and they you know, they kind of see that as the beginning of the end. They have experienced it firsthand, the shrinking of popularity of of a multitude of stallions down to a select few that in turn then breeds a very closely related uh, horse down the road so you know it in in 20 to 40 years what's going to be left i don't know and and i think that if you were to ask the you know i've, I've asked my harness friends you know if you could stop the clock and and make this decision again would you make it and you know a couple of them said no the ones i've asked have said no so uh, i think that's reason enough for me to believe that that we're doing it the right way our kentucky derby recap and look ahead to the preakness is still to come remember this discussion we're having now was recorded before the kentucky derby so Perry Martin, you're obviously not part of a major racing or breeding operation like a Coolmore or Godolphin or even Windstar. You don't have those kind of resources. What you do have is a champion racehorse who comes from relatively modest breeding. So 
Which do you think makes the most business sense? Trying to breed California Chrome and make your money that way, remembering that you need a big insurance policy on him, or spend, I don't know, $130,000 or so to clone him and try to make your money on the racetrack? <laughs> yeah, that's, well, it's still speculation because there, it's going to be, I think it'll be a long time before the jockey club allows that. But uh, we're making um, pretty good money. Chrome's, that's been a sort of a myth for a long time that his breeding uh, was, uh, I've had to actually people call him ill-bred, which I, I really take exception to. But uh, his pedigree, I think, is um, he's one of the best, best pedigree derby champions in the last 20 years. Both of Chrome's parents had issues. Uh, that prevented them really from excelling on the track. And you have to be able to look beyond just uh, what's written on the paper, the race record, in order to really see that and and realize that uh, that should be a lot less of the black type should be a lot less of of the issue. So we're just going to let nature take its course as it is. Uh, Chrome had a very good first year as a stallion, 145 mares covered in, in North America. And uh, 110 covered in South America. We're looking for similar numbers, a little bit less in North America this year. We think you'll come in right around 130. So we're we're making pretty good money with him at, at 40,000 a pop in North America and 20,000 in South America. It's, it's good business for us. So we're really not at the point where we have to think about <laughs> cloning to make our money. It continues to roil under the surface, without a doubt. One other question here for Perry Martin, co-owner of the two-time Horse of the Year California Chrome. We've seen technology change the way other sports are played and administered, whether it's challenging in-game rulings using instant replay, improving the equipment. In the case of racing, you could talk about track surfaces, the equine injury database, etc. Do you see cloning horses for competition as inevitable or something that the well-entrenched in the sport will successfully keep out? I, I'm thinking that's probably never going to be allowed. Again, one reason our champions are so special is because they're so rare, and that increases value. And if we're able to actually duplicate that a uh, hundred times, a thousand times, it's I don't know, that might be the death knell for the sport as far as I'm concerned. Why so? Well, it's our superstars won't be rare. They'll be, they'll be common. There won't be any stars. There won't be any standouts. Uh, there'll be no nothing exceptional, nothing exciting. Uh, that exciting will, you know, it'll, it'll be the norm, norm. All the horses relatively equal. So, you know, like I said, that that might be about it. This is a topic of which I don't think we've heard the last, so thank you both very much for participating, Elliot Walden and Perry Martin. All right. You're welcome. Great. Thank you. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, Elliot Walden's Justify is the Kentucky Derby winner. Can he continue his march through the Triple Crown? We'll preview the Preakness when we come back. A brutal half mile in the slop. 
in 45 and three fifth seconds. And just like that, Justify seizes the lead with a half mile to go in the Kentucky Derby. Justify the one to catch. Here comes Good Magic on the outside for the final quarter mile. Justify turns for home in front. Good Magic in a full out drive with three sixteenths to go. But Justify and Mike Smith are digging down on a two length lead. Good Magic is wandering about the track from far behind Audible Rallies to be third. They're coming to the final 16th and it's Justify and Good Magic and Audible. Justify in a two length lead. Final try from Good Magic. All rise for Justify. The Kentucky Derby was never in doubt. Wins by two and a half. It seems like Justify is the real deal and this was the tough one. You know, when NASCAR fans watch their 36 points races, they say there's every other track and there's Talladega, the wild card, where anything can happen. And with 20 horses in the Kentucky Derby, the question was, would the best horse get through there? And what does the future now hold for Justify, the winner of the Kentucky Derby? For those questions and more, we bring in again our good friend Bobby Halt, the New York Hot List Handicapping Service. So, Bob, now that Justify has gotten through the Kentucky Derby, does he have a chance to repeat American Pharaoh? I would say most definitely, uh, Barry. I think there was some similarities between him and, and American Pharaoh in that, you know, going into the Derby, as good as American Pharaoh looked, you had to wonder if he was a little vulnerable. You know, he had had that injury that knocked him out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Bob only got the two uh, races at Oakland into him, which really weren't tough races for him. And you wondered if he was going to be slightly vulnerable in the Derby. And his connections even said he wasn't completely 100% for that race. Well, they couldn't beat American Farrell that day, and he only got better, and he beat him handily in the Preakness and the Belmont. That could be the situation here with Justify. This was only his fourth career start. You had to think that the lack of seasoning might have caught up with him here. Some fast fractions, a mile and a quarter, none of that phased him. The 19 rivals, the wet track, nothing phased him. Bob, when he wins the Derby, he always wins the Preakness. So now we're going down to the... Uh, we're coming out to the Belmont Stakes, where horses with speed can do pretty well. It's not, you know, the mile and a half is a bit of a misnomer in terms of thinking you, oh, you want to bet on a horse who closes from last. You got to have a good, a decent turn of speed to win the Belmont Stakes. Certainly, nobody's beaten this horse yet, and certainly there's every reason in the world to believe that uh, he just might might win the next two legs of the Triple Crown and then join American Pharoah and make uh, Bob trainer of the last two Triple Crown winners. You know, it's not often that we see horses closing in the Kentucky Derby anymore. It used to be that the mindset was you need to be a come-from-behinder. But I think Orb in 2013, also on a wet track, was really the last horse to make up a lot of ground to win this race. What is the deal? It's a hard thing to look at because you, you kind of wonder that maybe with this point system that it weeds out some of those horses who have a big race at two and get enough earnings so they could sneak into the field. And they're basically sprinters. And as much as somebody pointed out, the recent runnings of the Derby have had some fast pace. I mean, they went, they went a pretty quick 22.24, 45.77 seconds. The key is you don't have winging away on the front end a horse that you know that has no chance of getting there as a sprinter and the other horses all don't know what to do. Now, the case could be made, promises fulfilled might be that sprinter. But I, I think the point is, some, I think the 
trainers and owners of the horses who have some speed are more willing to get their horses into the mix early because of thinking that, you know, they're just going to be facing a different grade of horse on the front end instead of the, you know, the, the horses who are going to run them through crazy fractions. And, and that might have something to do with it. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's certainly uh, an interesting question. Just like you could ask, how in the world have six straight favorites won the Kentucky Derby? It's never happened in 144 years. Five didn't happen in 143 years. So, uh, you know, is a long shot ever going to win the Kentucky Derby again? It is uh, an interesting question as we talk with Bobby Halt of the New York Hotlist Handicapping Service. Now, as we look ahead to the Preakness, it appears that the only new shooter here, and gosh, I hate to use that term, but I just used it, is Quip, the uh, Tampa Bay Derby winner who trainer Rodolph Brissett had qualified for the Kentucky Derby but said he needed a little bit more time with him, and to his credit, he didn't try to force him in there. He's going to wait for the Preakness. What kind of challenge does he pose? I don't see him as being a horse who really is going to create a, a big problem for a horse like Justify. You look at the horses that Quip was running against, horses like Flame Away, uh, Vino Rosso, they were nowhere to be found in the Derby. I can't see Quip really being a factor in the uh, Preakness or anywhere else. He might get attention as, oh, he's a new fresh face, but uh, I kind of like the face that we saw at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Uh, Justify is it's going to take a heck of a good horse to outrun him on the front end and collar him in the stretch. And, you know, Bob and I were talking before we started this about the idea of who is champion owner at the end of the year. Because normally it's a guy who owns a horse or a family who owns a horse or, or a stable. But you have Saul Kuman who owns parts of a lot of different horses, Windstar, who owns parts of a lot of different horses. How do you size this up? It's going to be an interesting question for voters because, as you mentioned, when you vote at the end of the year for the Eclipse Award, it's generally one entity. It's like a Judmont farm. Or, like, say when you had California Chrome, you had two guys who were partners in the horse and really didn't have any other kind of horse. Now you've got a situation, and uh, you know, I, I do have to give Sal tremendous credit. He, he has a keen eye for getting in on the right horses. But Sal Kuman owns not only Justify, he owns a share of Audible, who was third. My boy Jack, who I believe, was fifth. Monomoy Girl, who won the Oaks. He owns Beach Patrol, who was one of the top turf horses last year. So let's say Justify becomes the horse. Well, do you give that whole group? the owner's award, the four different entities who own him? Or do you say, well, you know, Sal had him plus the other horses. So do you honor him? It's certainly going to change the way that people look at how they're going to, how they're going to cast the ballots for the uh, leading owner, especially since the uh, official statistics, statistical arm of the industry, Equibase, only keeps stats based on the actual entirety of the partnership, meaning you can't find out really how many horses Sal Kuman has and how many has he done? There's no way. There's no stat that says, well, if Sal has a share of this horse, we're going to include it in one big total unless Sal himself does it. So, uh, you know, as I say, it's a pretty 
it's a pretty cool day. I got to admit, Frisali won the Oaks in the Derby, which uh, how often does that happen? But certainly, it, it you know, right now, you'd have to say he's the favorite to be the older of the year. But do you then slight the other three guys who are in him with uh, Justify? So it certainly is going to make uh, voting a little interesting uh, come uh, January. We might not be talking about American Pharaoh too much for very long with this little pony looking as dominant as he did in the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness yet to come. Bobby Hall, thank you so much as always. No problem, Barry. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Our thanks to Bobby Halt, to Elliot Walden, and to Perry Martin. Todd Shrupp was missing from Derby Week. Caton Bradar was barely allowed in. They work, at least in part, for TVG. That betting channel competes with Churchill Downs' wagering service, so the track denied access for these personalities. Churchill Downs was well within its right to withhold credentials. We've seen major media outlets denied elsewhere. It's not legalities that are in question. It's really the value judgments. And I'm not just crying that the policy's not fair. Our country's known for a plurality of businesses and voices who can sometimes just agree to disagree. But we've rarely seen the suppressing of a perceived opposition, and certainly not before at the Kentucky Derby. Sometimes when media's denied access, they've been critical of the subject, but this was not the case at TVG. These days in this land, the air of questionable leadership policies has punctured our belief in democracy. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us on the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.